I'm Emily Barney, and you're tuned in to the Backyard Pet Talk with Shannon Riley podcast. Hello, Emily. So I'm super Hello. excited. Those of you who've already listened to our pre-adoption podcast from um, with Emily, you know that Emily and I are real good friends and um, have been friends since she had her other dog, um, Scooter, who has sadly left us and so she's ready to find another um, puppy which we went through um, a lot of stuff on how she looked for the puppy and the differences between breeders and um, rescue so if you have are in that state and you happen to catch this podcast but you haven't even gotten your puppy yet go back and listen to those other that other episode listen to what it what you need to look into before you get a puppy because most of the time that when people have problems with their adult dogs it's because they mismatched even at puppyhood you know they are couch potatoes and they got a hyper dog or they got a they're hyper people and they got a couch potato or something like that so finding the right match at the beginning is really helpful to having a happy life with your dog if you haven't gotten a puppy you haven't even thought about it yet that's the podcast you want to start with. But today, so Emily is getting her puppy this week. I can't even believe that it's already this week. Like time just flew. So she's driving out to the breeder just in a couple days and she's going to go pick up the puppy. And if life, you know, worked out and my whole life got canceled, I'd be driving with her, but that's not looking like it's going to happen. So I get to meet puppy first for dinner. Right. When she gets home, not, we're not eating the puppy for dinner. We're just going to have, have dinner, have dinner in the with company the puppy. of the puppy. So, so let's, I'm just going to update you on what, what has happened since our last recording. So the last recording we talked about how do I sort of green flags and red flags of an ethical breeder. And we talked about essentially like home prep and also getting puppy home. So since we talked, I checked in with the breeder and the puppies have been going to the bathroom on turf. So I have some like turf, like just little squares of turf so that puppy can relieve themselves on the way home without threat of parvo. I got some puppy pads, of course. I got a soft crate that I will put in the car and strap in. And I checked in with the breeder to see what food the puppies are getting and picked up a bag of that so that there's like no time pressure to, you know, transfer puppy to any different kind of food. I think that's it. My home is pretty prepped. I have a two wire crates, one for my bedroom, one for my office. I have a, like a playpen in the kitchen so that puppy can stay safe while I'm cooking or, or doing other things. I have a bunch of Kongs. I have some like training treats. So I think. And I, I yes. And I actually got super great prep because that's a problem that some people don't do is they don't prep, you know, they just show up with a puppy and, and then they're playing backwards. So I love, love, love the prep. Something that just sparked a thought. We can have you take pictures. I know you've sent me a couple of the pictures of your setup, but we should probably include that in some of our, this puppy um series that we're doing is so people can see because I think it's great that you have the crate because your bedroom's upstairs so you have one upstairs and downstairs where your office is and then having that playpen in in your kitchen space where you have that because a huge problem is people don't create the right confinement for puppies 
and kind of give them too much freedom too soon. And it's kind of like giving a teenager too much freedom too soon. It's not going to end well. So, you know, I got three teenagers. I know there's a, there's a balance there, <laughs> how much freedom you give them freedom with responsibility and puppies don't really always grasp that. So <laughs> having all of those is all super great. And you and I have talked about, cause sometimes crates come in, you know, about like what kinds of crates. And I know you got discounted crates that like are free. Yeah, crates. I didn't want to buy new, just like, that's just sort of my life philosophy. Well, and why when they're little tiny babies, you know, like they're going to grow out of it. So it's no problem. I actually do the same thing. I mean, even for my own, like I, if I can find them on Craigslist or thrift stores, I shop for cheap crates, no problem. And the only thing I want to mention, there's nothing wrong with it, but just so we have philosophies of, and you already know, cause we've talked about this wire crate versus plastic crate. So Emily got wire crates because she got them inexpensive. But if there's a problem, we already have talked that we're going to go to a plastic. Wire might be fine. Some are fine in wire. I think sometimes puppies feel more comfortable in a crate that is plastic because most of it is confined. They, the only window technically is in the front. So I always kind of think about if I'm putting in, in a cage and I'm scared, then I want to have something behind me, a wall behind me, so there's one less place I have to be um, hypervigilant. But mm -hmm. if I'm pretty comfortable in a place, I might not care as long as if I can see everything. It might be cool to be able to see everything. So that comes down to an individual puppy. One way you can help that with a wire is putting a blanket or sometimes you have to put cardboard because they'll chew blankets through the wire. But to make it more of like a cave to be more quiet, especially for puppies who need to be have less stimulus when they're trying to fall asleep. So like some people not me, can fall asleep at an airport, you know, laying on the chairs and they can go out. I can't even fall asleep on an airplane. And when I fall asleep, like I have to be in a quiet room. If I go to a hotel, I got to have all the blinds closed. I might still have to wear um, eye patches, earplugs. Like I can't have a lot of stimulus or I will wake up. I won't fall asleep. And so for me, if I was a puppy, a Plastic crate would be better because it would cut out some of the stimulus, but some people wouldn't matter. So those are just the differences of the crates when you're thinking about crates. And then, you know, you have to just know what you can afford, what you can, and what you can make work and what's good for your puppy. But those are just some of the pros and cons that I like to mention. And then the other part that sometimes we get, people get all controversial about crates. The reason that we use crates for puppies is for a couple of reasons. The first one I always say is for potty training, because if they're Wandering around the house, they're going to poop and pee wherever they are, which means they're never going to learn where you want them to go. So confinement is one of the biggest things you have to do for potty training. So you have some control over where they go. So confinement, they're in their crate. They're probably not going to want to poop and pee in their crate unless forced or if they're a puppy mill dog or something or a old show dog, sometimes they have problems. But with no problems, most of them don't want to go unless they're forced. So that gives you more opportunity for them to learn how to hold it so you can do potty training. So confinement's one for potty, but supervision's another big, and that's for potty training and for getting out of trouble, you know, not getting into trouble. A puppy that's wandering around that, even the best puppy-proofed house, puppies will find something, a book. They'll find a corner of a chair to chew on. They will chew on whatever and they will eat whatever. They'll start eating the carpet. They will eat, you know, a blanket if you've left. You know, they just they're just curious and so crates help with confinement for potty training supervision for potty training and just staying out of trouble but then the other part of crate training that 
I really now try to emphasize to people is if your puppy is ever has to go to the hospital, which all of them will if they're spayed or neutered. If your puppy has ever has to be in an emergency, ever has to travel far, they will have to be in a crate for safety purposes. And we all were in Thomas Fire a few years ago. And the dogs I saw after Thomas Fire, a lot of them had anxiety because the ones that were never crate trained had to be in a crate because they got evacuated from their homes, whether they went to the Humane Society or whether they went to our fairgrounds or they went to someone else's home. If they had never been used to being in a crate, now the trauma of all the trauma of the fire and the emergency happened, but now they didn't weren't used to being in a crate. So I always start all my puppies in a crate. I think all dogs should be in a crate. They're probably going to be in their crate to some degree, depending on the puppy for up to a year or maybe two, depending on their maturity level, because some you can let them out more freedom and they don't get in trouble and some don't. Um, I still, my captain and scout are 11 and 14. My crates are still next to my bed. Captain chooses his crate often, doesn't have any blankets in it because if there's a blanket in there, he destroys it even at 14. But Scout has the same bed she's had since she was born, basically, in her crate. And she doesn't care, but she doesn't go in hers as much as Captain does. She will prefer to sleep on the bed. But if I need them to be there in the crate, none of them have any problem. They run right in. It's no problem. It's it's not stressful. I can close the door and they'll sleep and there's no trauma with it. So starting them off in a crate is good for all of those reasons. So I just wanted to make sure we touch base on why the crates are important because it is a big controversial thing. We're not using it for punishment. Sometimes you might need it as a timeout and not because of a punishment timeout, but you know, if your puppy's getting puppy frenzies at five o'clock, usually it's because they're tired. So you might need to put them in their crate just because they're getting themselves into trouble. And it's not like, oh, you bad dog. It's, "Mm, I think you need to, to decompress a little. So we're not throwing them in there. We're not, you know, it's not like go to your room. Like when we were growing up being in trouble, it's, you know, you're just going in there to have a minute. So to to mellow out, I shared where I've put crates, but I'm really curious, is there a philosophy or a reason to, on where to put crate? Should you put a crate? Like if it, if it makes sense in your house, is it okay to put a crate next to the front door? Or do you want to avoid that? Like within your room for sleeping like do you want it right next to your bed or do you want to avoid that so talk to me about like any philosophies or suggestions on placement that goes with a lot of the human part partly the puppy part so some puppies are really restless sleepers some of them will bark and whine a little bit when they first do it but some of them literally like flop around in their crate for me again a sensitive sleeper If I had a puppy who was a big flopper, I wouldn't even probably have the crate in my room. And I have had clients who are very sensitive sleepers and they're like, I can't, can't sleep because they whine, they dream, they make too much noise. So then it's fine. The puppies don't have to be in there in your bedroom. They could be in a room next to you. I've had some clients just put them right outside their bedroom door just so they can still hear if a major thing happens, but they're not having to do it all the time. So that kind of depends. House makes a big difference. Sometimes you don't have room for two crates. So you have to, you know, figure out where you just have space. Some of my clients have them, if they're upstairs, downstairs, and you may come across this as your puppy gets bigger, they can't win the morning. They might not be able to hold it going all the way downstairs. And at first you can carry puppy from upstairs to downstairs and put them outside. But As they get into that bigger stage, but not potty train stage, if they wake up in the morning and as soon as they run out, they run down the stairs peeing. Well, that doesn't really help your potty training 
or then you have to clean up. And it's not, it's just because they have to go so bad and they're not used to drop going that far. Sometimes when I have puppies that are struggling with that, I have even done this with fosters back in the day, or even with boarders that I have some of my clients' dogs that are puppies. Their crates won't be in the office. Theirs will be right next to the door or very close to the sliding door. So all I have to do is open the kennel, open the door, and they can go straight out and pee. And then I don't have to worry about cleaning it up. So sometimes you have to do those strategic measures. Right now I have a client who has a puppy and she's on the fifth floor apartment. And she was telling me how hard it was in the middle of the night or, you know, to go down five flights of stairs. So she has to carry her and she's getting bigger and she does have a little patio. So we encur I encouraged her to get a little potty, you know, litter box and start going out there. Sometimes she can do both because she wants the puppy to know how to do both. But that way at four o'clock in the morning, she's not running down the stairs. She could just go straight out to the door. So crates, you know, matter with that's the biggest thing. The other thing I will say with crate placement, you know, and this was always before COVID, it was if you homeschooled, you work from home or you're retired, but now so many people work from home all the time and people are home more. The crate does need to be in a place, at least a crate that is quiet because your puppy needs naps. So people who have the crate in the kitchen or the living room and their kids are home the whole day because they homeschool, that puppy is not going to get the significant amount of sleep they need. And puppies need 18 to 20 hours of sleep the first six months or so. And Adult dogs need 16 to 18. So if you think about 18 hours for life, that's how much sleep healthy dogs need. So right now, as we're talking, Captain and Scout are sitting next to me sound asleep. They slept all night. You know, they probably went to sleep at like eight last night, even though I did not go to sleep. We woke up at, you know, seven. So they had almost 12 hours of sleep. They ate, they went potty. And now they're back to sleep again. And they'll sleep again until it's time to go outside or, you know, if I'm doing something exciting. So dogs sleep a lot and that is normal, healthy, what they're supposed to do. Dogs who don't sleep oftentimes get mouthy. Puppies, if they don't get enough sleep, they are worse mouthers. They are, have other behavior problems. They get kind of cranky like a two-year-old in the afternoon because they haven't had enough sleep. So Having that crate in a room that is quiet and not going to be, you know, disturbed while you're doing everyday life. So that's partly why my crates are always in my bedrooms is for during the day too. My bedroom is one of the quieter rooms. It's not, you know, because um, I work from home a lot and they can still get their sleep because it's one of the quieter rooms, particularly puppies. I don't have puppies right now, but when they are puppies, that's what I do. So I know okay, while I'm working, they're sleeping and they're not being disturbed because since I work from home. So yeah, that's so a that, important thing. So that's great. Yeah. Cause I work from home and I had just envisioned that when I'm working puppy would be, and puppy needed to sleep, puppy would be in the crate in my office. But what I'm hearing is probably the sound of my voice. If I'm on in meetings or whatever, like just on a Zoom meeting could like overstimulate puppies. When it really is puppy nap time, we should bring puppy upstairs so that they have a really quiet environment to yes. relax. And now if you were just working on the computer and you're not making any noise, you're not on a Zoom call and your puppy can handle that stimulation in sleeping, then that's totally fine. When I was really sick, most of my puppies, I happened to be two Captain Scout, came as I was really sick with chronic Lyme. So I was in my bed a lot. 
when, when I wasn't working, I was sleeping and they were in their crates sometimes, sometimes on the bed, depending on what age they were at, but they were fine. They didn't get stimulated by me coming in and be sleeping. But some puppies, if you were doing, working on the computer might still be like, Oh, what's she doing? You can always tell if a puppy's soundly sleeping when you're in the environment is if you can get up and go to the bathroom or go to another room and they don't wake up at all, then you know they're sleeping okay. If they lift their head and look at you or try to follow you if they're out of their crate, then you know they weren't sleeping that soundly. So I always explain it like a parent. When I was, my kids were small, I had a playground in the backyard and I could see it from my master bedroom. So I could lay on my bed and if no one was home, I couldn't sleep. So I'd have like one eye open, you know, I was always aware. So if my kid hurt themselves, I would know right away and I'd run out. But if I had a babysitter or if my husband was home or somebody else was there to monitor the children, I could actually go to sleep and then they could get hurt. And I may not even wake up depending on, you know, what happened. So you want to make sure that they're sleeping. And that's another individual thing, you know, so your puppy might be like, oh, mom's, you know, on the computer and I'm staring. Well, then you're going to go, okay, I got to put you upstairs. But your puppy may go, oh, mom's on the computer. I'm going to sleep. I don't care. And, and the, you know, they can stay there. So it just depends on the puppy and the environment that, you know, that you've got them in. Yeah. So I'm curious, what is the number one mistake that people make when either related to crates or crate training 101? So what's mm-hmm. the number one mistake that you see regarding crate? Usually what happens is they might be able to get the puppy to sleep at night in it. You know, and so they're like, well, I sleep at night, but they don't put the puppy in during the day at all for various reasons. Usually end up, those puppies end up being mouthy and having other behavior problems or potty training problems. So having a routine with your crate and having it include daytime, crate time and nighttime, because your puppy knows the difference. Some will be fine. They're like, oh, she's going to sleep. I'll go sleep now too. You know, no big deal. But when you have to put them in the daytime and you have to, you know, leave or you're not having them together, you know, you're not sitting there with them they might have a problem. So probably creating a routine is probably one of the biggest things. When I have people have crate training problems, they'll be like, oh, well, they cried during the day. So I let them out. Well, puppies might cry. And we're going to talk about how to prevent that. And there's a little level of crying that, you know, we can handle. We don't want them to have panic attacks in there, but we also want them to get used to it. And sometimes we have to get used to things we don't want to do, you know, like, you know, so I'm not like, I don't always want to do things, but I got to do them anyway. So, and, but it's being encouraged instead of forced. So making a crate, a routine, creating them during the day and the night, commonly how I sort of tell people in a very rough way, because I think your lifestyle changes this is they obviously sleep in it from whenever you go to sleep to the morning and they might, when they're small, might have to get up once, but we don't want to have to get, they should be able to hold it, you know, for a couple hours, you know, eventually overnight, you know, you guys get up, you go, you let them potty, you feed them breakfast. I I recommend that all puppies get fed out of food toys if possible. So that's kibble nibble balls, Kong wobblers, stuffed Kongs, sniffy mats, sniffy balls. There's like a gazillion things now that are out there. Buster food cubes. Because now your puppy is learning to use their brain to work for their food. So you're doing a little mental stimulation which is good. It helps get them tired, makes them smarter, makes them problem solvers in a positive way. They get some physical exercise because they're pushing the food around. They're also learning independence because you're not there doing everything. The food takes longer. So they're not scarfing up their food. They have slows them down. So there's so many, so many benefits to food toys that I always recommend every puppy be on meals out of food toys, no bowls, unless they absolutely need it for something. Like sometimes there's a medication 
that's liquid or something and you want to make sure they're getting it. But then that's just like a tablespoon of food. So they go out and play in the food chase. That can be in your yard or your kitchen, wherever it's easiest for you while you're getting ready. Then, you know, you can spend some time with puppy in the morning and maybe doing a little training, cuddling, playing, whatever, however your schedule works. Then when it's time to kind of get to work or go to school, then that's when I put my puppies back in their crates for a couple hours, you know, depending on the puppy, anywhere from two to four, if they're older, some might need one to two if they're younger for potty training. But I want that morning nap to be a significant nap. So if I can get away with two or three hours of sleep, then that's good. Then I come home. I used to do send my kids to preschool and run errands. So they would be in there for about three hours. And then I come home, let them out to go potty again, play again, feed lunch out of a food toy, play, 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 food toy, food toy. And maybe I play, maybe I some some training. They're up for a, a little bit. They do their all their potty business and then they'll start to get tired. Usually it's only about an hour that they can, you know, really manage without being exhausted if they're stimulated. Then putting them back in their crate while you do your afternoon part of work, you know, so now you're back to working in the afternoon, sleep, another nap time. Then they come get up and maybe you get up and you play with them and you do potty and you do all of these things. And then dinner time happens. Maybe you do a nap before dinner, like just a short two hour nap while you're prepping dinner. Maybe they get a Kong while they're doing that in their crate. And then you get them out again, food, toys, play. The biggest thing people don't realize is that your puppy isn't going to be an all-day play toy. You've got to think that you've got about four hours of awake time for a newborn puppy, you know, or a newer puppy. So that hour in the morning, that hour at lunch, you know, an hour before dinner and an hour after dinner, that's what your time is with your puppy is going to be. And and mostly what puppies are going to be doing during that, it, they're going to be eating, they're going to be pooping and peeing and playing a little bit doing a little bit of training, but then they've got to sleep the rest of the time. And some of these out on times when they're awake can be those outings where you take them somewhere social, you know, depending on your schedule. So that's just a rough schedule. Everybody has to adjust that to their own personal life, you know? So I maybe now, you like for my kids, when I took them to preschool, maybe I would have taken them in the car. I didn't because I did other things, but I would have taken them in the car, then come home and drop them back off and then ran my errands, you know, so they got the socialization, but then they still got their, you know, nap. Maybe at lunchtime, I, maybe I picked them up before I picked them up from school, brought them in the car, let kids see them, take them on an errand and then put them back. So those can all adjust, but you just kind of want a routine with that. And then another thing you asked what puppy 101, hopefully your breeder or rescue have already started them in a crate. That is a big deal because if they've already started in the crate, it's going to be an easier transition. If they're being pulled from mom and or dad and puppies put in a crate as a single puppy, it's going to be a little harder. So those puppies might need a little more attention, a little more food toys, a little more less stimulation. Like there might be some other things you have to do, but we're just going to think about a typical puppy. What I like to do is I have stuffed Kongs. They've never had a Kong before. You don't want to make it super hard. So maybe smear a little peanut butter in every time they go in the crate. So they start playing with the peanut butter or you give them a edible nylabone. I used to use edible nylabones for my puppies all the time because they last a little longer with puppies, greenies, you know, something because an adult dog, they go through that in five seconds, but puppies with their baby teeth can go a little longer. I'd sometimes buy the size bigger. So, you know, instead of getting a small, I get a medium or a large just so that they had something to chew on. I think of it as a pacifier of like, they're super stimulated. So let's give them stuff to help them, you know, get 
destimulated from all of this. So that's what I would use for getting them in their crates and getting them, you know, eating all of those, you know, that kind of stuff. And then it's just making sure every time they go in the crate, they get a treat, they get Kong, they get a treat, they get a Kong, they get a, my dogs still get treats when they go in their crates and they like their crates, but it's just my habit too, of giving them something. Well, and Shannon, I'm laughing because, you know, as as an adult, I've only ever had one dog and it was Scooter. And we've already talked about how anxious he was. So, so, so anxious. So I'm just reflecting on how much work I put in to get him comfortable in the crate. And I'm like, it's possible that that was a symptom mm-hmm. of his anxiety. And you were, I was also laughing because you were talking about, we know puppy is soundly sleeping. If you can get up and they don't wake up, that never happened with Scooter. It is one of those things. Like when I'm meeting with people, I start asking, you know, I was working yesterday with somebody who has a research guarding puppy. And I had to tell her like normal 12 week old puppies don't typically resource guard, but if they have underlying anxiety and they're worried about, they're going to have lack of something and there, that's where, you know, some of that comes in, especially when there's been no bullying and stuff. This is just, you know, so it's one of those things that anxious dogs have some of these behaviors because they were genetically anxious, which is what we're trying to prevent in your situation this time. But it's something that if people have anxious puppies, it's not the end of the world, but you have to put more work into things to help make them okay with stuff. Yeah. yeah and, and so with, with, <laughs> it was so much work with Scooter and you, we've already said it, like he's the love of my life. I, you know, I wouldn't change anything, but I remember it was just nonstop throwing treats in. So he got used to going in and then I would be sitting there and I would throw a treat in and I would close the door for one second and open it and give him another treat and then close the door and latch it and then open it and give them a treat. And then, you know, building up that time that I would do five seconds, then I would do 10 seconds, but like weeks and weeks. And then I would started building up to like, put them in the crate and walk out of the room and walk right back in the room and then build up and build up. And then, you know, put them in the crate and walk out the front door, but come right back in and give him another treat. So like it was work and it, and we did it. It was successful. He was successfully crate trained and was eventually comfortable in his crate, but it was, it was a real commitment. So I guess this is just another plug to, to <laughs> say like, be really intentional about the kind of puppy that you're picking and, and maybe even just be aware of couldn't have loved a puppy more than I did. And because he was genetically anxious, yeah, he just was a lot of work. Yes. And if we can start getting people, this is just a little off subject, but quick, if we stop purchasing and we stop supporting the breeders who aren't taking breeding seriously. They won't make money. So they eventually, you know, won't breed and it'll take some time. But if they're not making any money, they won't be breeding anymore. And then the responsible breeders can continue to breed. And that would help decrease the animals in the shelter. I mean, it's so a trickle down if we got irresponsible breeders to stop breeding. We wouldn't have as many anxious dogs. We wouldn't have as many aggressive dogs. We would have less bites. And we have less, fewer dogs in the shelters because it's most of the time it's that the breeders, if they're just doing it for profit, they're not picking good people. So even if they have purebreds, but the purebreds are get to be too much, they end up going 
into the shelter, you know, so, but, but a, a good breeder is going to be also very particular about who they adopt to. So they just, it goes down a lot and that we could go on a rabbit hole for days. We love adoption. Like we, we love that adoption is really important. And the reason Scooter was available for adoption is because his mother's previous owner was a backyard breeder puppy mill like yeah. that and and his mother was rescued from that situation so yes. like if that was less lucrative exactly. for his previous for his mother's previous owner you know like she she only kept doing it because people kept buying her exactly. backyard bred puppy mill puppies exactly uh, should i put a bed in my crate so it totally depends on your puppy everybody wants to put this soft fluffy bed in their crates so there's lots of things so that's actually a really good question because you live in a climate that's really warm that big fluffy bed can get too warm for puppies sometimes so then they're going to get uncomfortable and be panting because they're too hot and there's could be risks of hyper you know getting overheated that's number one. And then if you live in a really cold climate, you know, you may not want just the, the floor, but you have to remember that some dogs prefer to sleep on the hardwood floor when, you know, because even if it's cold, they have fur coats. So it's a little bit depending on your dog as far as that and your climate. So there's that, that you, you know, have that control, but then there's the individual. So I have, bought, I can't tell you how many crates beds blankets I have put in captain's crate so when he was a puppy that was like a toy so he would destroy it I would have fuzz everywhere stuffing which then becomes a choking hazard if he's in there so for a long time he had nothing at all just just the crate he has a plastic crate and he loves it but he sleeps on hard floor a lot in our old house his favorite spot was on a hardwood floor where he could watch me in the kitchen and watch the living room. He had this really perfect view of everything. Recently, within the last couple of years, since it's in this new house, I put a nice bed in it that was one of those durable fabric kinds. He still started chewing the corner. And I was like, okay, I pulled it out before it became a disaster. So Captain does not get one because Captain can't manage one. Scout has the same little dog bed. It's not real thick, just a basic bed. It's almost like a little cat bed in hers because she's smaller and she does not chew on it. She does not destroy it. She's never been, you know, in that. So for her, she's always had one. Also, you have to think about like sometimes dogs will have more accidents if you have a, a bed. So if they've been potty trained on potty pads or if they were in a store or something where they peed on towels and you put a towel in the crate, sometimes they'll go, oh, this is just another potty pad. So sometimes they can go to the bathroom in there because of the texture of what you put in there. So it really comes down to individuals. But what you do want to do is have your puppy safe in the crate. I mean, that's part of the reason you have a crate is to make sure they're not ingesting things that they shouldn't be ingesting. So if they destroy their beds, you're not being cool by letting them sleep on the bottom of a crate. And you have to remember more dogs than not choose hard floors outside on cement you know because it's cooler for them you know they like it they like laying in the sun i don't know why dogs you know choose the hardest surface to sleep on but a lot of them do now that captain is 14 he finally uses our dog bed in our living room but that's mostly because of the way it is it's where we are so he's like well if i'm in here i'll sleep on this 
but it is one of those things you have to be careful because of the ingestion part of it and finding what's right. You want to make sure your dog bed, if you do put one in, it doesn't have things that they can, like sometimes there's tags that they might chew on and swallow. You want to make sure there's no buttons they can eat. You know, you really want to make sure you have a safe bed. So towels, if they're chewing on it, the strings can become a problem. So you have to be careful with towels. But if they don't chew them, it doesn't matter. But so that's where you just have to be careful. So just monitoring what that, you know, is because that's a big piece. So I'm making this decision and it's deeply uncomfortable for me because I am, you, you remember Scooter had the biggest, fluffiest bed. So I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to put a bed in my puppy's crate. And it's so uncomfortable because I just want to give him everything. I know. Well, you can see also what, you know, what the breeder, because your breeders put her in a crate. And I can't remember from the pictures what kind of bedding's in there right now. We're going to be in all these podcasts. You guys are going to start seeing some videos of these puppies because she's an excellent breeder. Uh, she, has, she does socialization. I'm super excited to be able to share what to do and what you should be looking for. So we're going to be working, actually collaborating with her. And as we wrap up too, I'll make sure Emily doesn't have any other crate questions, but we're also going to do a field trip to the her puppy's first vet next Saturday. So that's going to be part of this podcast. So you can kind of see what you should and shouldn't do the first, you know, appointments and what they need to do. And we're going to talk to the vets and the vets are totally on board. And so we'll be doing field trips. So it's going to be, you know, guys are going to get to really see like how difficult and how much work goes into having a new puppy. It's like having a newborn. The only difference is you can actually leave the newborn home alone without having to have a babysitter, but you're all the prep, all the potty training, all the teaching. They don't come out of the womb knowing how to be perfectly well-behaved, well-mannered animals. That's just, just like humans aren't, don't come out of the womb being, you know, well-mannered and kind or whatever. So it is work, but it's going to be super exciting. So we have lots of stuff, crate size. You need it to be, if it's too big. So like Emily's getting a lab. She's not going to get a giant lab crate right now. She's going to get a small crate. You wanted enough space that the puppy can move in a circle and and roll and move but you don't want it big enough where a puppy can go potty on one side and then sleep on the other side some crates have panels in them so that they you can make them grow or smaller so um but crate size is super important you know sometimes people will put like a cardboard box in a crate to make it kind of smaller but then some puppies will chew the cardboard this is what i did with scooter because his we bought more like a medium-sized crate when he was uh-huh. a tiny baby And I did the cardboard box. He chewed it. So I put a cookie sheet. So a cardboard box to like take up the space. But then I put a cookie sheet that he could, so he couldn't chew on the cardboard box to like make it the right size. Okay. So what I heard about sizing is it needs to be big enough that puppy can turn themselves around and also big enough that puppy can stand Mm -hmm. fully with their head comfortably up. Yes. Yeah you're in an airport and you're traveling with puppy, you know, if you, your puppy's going to be sleeping and laying down, but this is a temporary crate. That's not the crate that they're going to be sleeping in on all the time. So yeah, making sure it's comfortable. And then something people oftentimes ask me is, well, do you put water in the crate? For the most part, I do not put water in the crate because I'm not keeping my puppy in there for 12 hours. And if they drink while they're, I'm not paying attention to them, they might have accidents. Plus they spill it, they play in it. So my puppies have, you know, like, if they're drinking every time I go potty and play, 
you know, then that's every two to four hours, you know, they're getting that opportunity to, to have their water. So it also helps you with potty training if you contain when their food and water intake is. So it's not just random all the time. Like we'll put food in their crate when they go to sleep, but it's like in a Kong or in a food toy, something that's just keeping them busy, but it's not like necessarily their full meal. Yeah. Unless I have a puppy having a big trouble with the crate, then I might feed them in the crate just to make it a more positive place. But those are some different little scenarios that are more unique, which we may come up with with your puppy because we're going to keep doing this as the puppy grows. So as puppy problems happen with your puppy, everyone will learn from it. Well, this was super great. And we will be doing more next week when she has puppy, when we do our next podcast. But thank you so much, Emily, for for doing this with me and helping everybody out. And next time we will talk more puppy stuff and we'll just keep helping everybody get educated on how to help their puppy.